Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Adam A. Donaldson, and joining me today is... Tim Phillips. Tim, how are you this fine day in Guelph, Ontario? Doing well, doing <laughs> well. I know we record, so it's Easter weekend we're recording. Mm-hmm. Um, as people probably will know, and then we broadcast on Wednesday, so... <laughs> it's been a nice, relaxing time off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh, try my best to stay busy and stay relaxed. Mm-hmm. Which is why you chose a harrowing tale of real-life refugee uh, flight for our movie this week. The, yeah, a nice I needed rela- a balance because I've been too re- <laughs> too relaxed lately. So <laughs> needed to too relaxed. That's funny. <laughs> Anyway, End Credits is a local movie show for local movie fans. We're here every Wednesday at 3 p.m. to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies, which this week will be the new animated documentary, Flea, which you can stream right this minute on Amazon Prime or the minute after the show is over, if you haven't watched it already. That's going to be in the back half of the show for the first half uh, because Flea implicit in the name is that it is a flight an escape um tim had the idea of coming up with some other escape movies and this was i mean uh there's there is a bounty of riches when it comes to escape movies um but it is tough because i was trying to limit myself to um, movies that did not have the word escape in it or unlike the great escape (laughs) that's right or escape from alcatraz Exactly. Or, um, you know, like famous movies about escape, like The Great Escape or Escape from Alcatraz. Um, I I did not entirely succeed, but uh, that was kind of where I was coming from is like, you know, is there any less obvious escape movies out there that, uh, you you know, when when you Google escape movies? um, (laughs) Yeah, I did the same thing. When you Google it, you get a lot of prison escape movies. So I was trying to avoid Mm -hmm. strictly Mm -hmm. prison escape movies too. That too. Yeah. Yeah. I think escapes a pretty, can be a pretty general, general subject. Mm -hmm. I did stick by and large to the largely physical escape, but uh, I'm interested to see what you have on your list. So why don't you uh, kick things off? Yeah. So number three on my list of escape movies is room from Mm -hmm. 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, recent, so I'm sure a lot of people have see- seen that or remember it. Um, written by Irish Canadian Emma Donahue, uh, based on her own novel of the same name, which came out in 2010, and is directed by Lenny Abramson, who actually the year before directed a movie I really like, a really dark comedy called Frank. Um, so he showed his range because he had this dark comedy starring Michael Fassbender called Frank. And then he went on and sh- shot room the next year. And uh, Emma Donahue actually adapted it from her novel. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, it's really interesting uh, movie. And it was shot in Toronto. And it actually, there is a shot in it of uh, Etobicoke landmark Apache burgers. So <laughs> that I've actually been there a couple of times. So that was uh, interesting to see. Um, but uh, it is, an, you know, escape from kidnapping, which is, 
really harrowing tale starring uh, Brie Larson as Joy Newsome and Jacob Tremblay as her five-year-old son. And I think the movie uh, paints an excellent portrait of captivity and survival in a tiny, tiny space. Um, and unlike a lot of escape movies, uh, the big climax or the big escape doesn't happen at the end. It comes halfway through. Mm-hmm. So we can also see how the protagonists adapt to their new world. Uh, so it's interesting to see uh, them in their new world with its new set of complications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just thought the escape in this film was brave and inventive. And the, the acting is definitely on point between the two, two leads. It's real two-hander for, for most of it um, with Brie Larson and Jacob Tremblay, excellent child actor. And you can see the, uh, the desperation to get out of the situation, but also how they cope, you know, mm-hmm. the co- coping with being in room and how how uh, the mother, you know, creates sort of like a fantasy for the child so they can cope and, you know, they can live it like it's like it's normal. Like, you know, the TV is just TV. There's not actual people anywhere. This is their, this is the universe is, is room. Mm-hmm. And uh, very, very interesting with that. And the voiceover by Jacob Tremblay depicts that in the innocence of a child, uh, like a five-year-old child who's lived his whole life in captivity. Uh, so that's, that, that was very interesting and a very harrowing film. Um, and it's very, it was, in, I guess the novel was inspired by true events that happened in Austria. Mm-hmm. And then weird timing is this movie came out in 2015 and in 2013 there was actually a case in in cleveland and this movie supposed to take place in akron ohio which is like a Mm -hmm. a neighbor city of cleveland there was this big case about this man who had kidnapped uh women and held them in captivity captivity for 10 years so Mm -hmm. it's like it's scary how this really happens you know this isn't just a work of fiction Mm-hmm. Uh, but it it does it does a great job of of depicting like and, and making it realistic like how you could endure in those mm-hmm. circumstances mm-hmm. with this you know evil captor keeping you in a shed for you know seven years how you can endure and i think it, it's a great great job of like claustrophobic filmmaking and really depicting the struggles of somebody in that situation. So I thought it was very powerful and the escape is riveting. And then like from there, like how do you adjust to society then? And I think that's something similar in the three movies I've, I've chosen and probably a lot of escape movies is how do you adjust to society, the new world once you're there. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. You're, you're escaping from, such brutal circumstances, but how do you adapt once you're out into freedom? Mm-hmm. So that's Inter- number three on my list room um, from 2015. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, there is a live stage version of room on right now at the princess of Wales theater in Toronto. So if you, um, <laughs> you know, if you want to get out and see some live theater, um, yeah. 
I have a very similar movie for my number three. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, it's, it's called, called Room. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Room. And boy, did I want to escape <laughs> while watching it. No, um, it's an action action e movie i don't think it's a strictly action movie but it is an act it has that action in it it's called the last stand it's from 2013 it's from um uh ron ki woon uh who is a south korean filmmaker and it stars arnold schwarzenegger as a small town sheriff uh on a border town uh in, i think it's Cal- i think it is california or it's it's one of the border states but it's a small town uh mexico is literally on the other side of a canyon from it and uh it is about this drug dealer uh named cortez who is speeding in a high octane essentially a race car um he's speeding from la to this border town where his cronies have built a bridge across the canyon so that he can escape into mexico and away from FBI custody and the only thing standing in his way is Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, a cadre of loyal deputies and it's uh, I mean this sounds like any one of a hundred Arnold Schwarzenegger movies but uh, it was the first one that he kind of starred alone in um, where he was kind of the the top build um, after he left the governor's office Um, People may recall that Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California for eight years. That really happened. Then. That really happened. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then after he he left office, he did like Expendables and he did uh, Escape Plan, where he was um, you know double billed with with Stallone. And but this is kind of like one of the first things he did where he was um, stepping into his solo action star boots and showing his age a bit there's uh you know he's obviously still a hulking um presence uh a force to be reckoned with but um this is a a more low-key arnold you know he's uh you see him in one scene sitting in a rocking chair on his front porch just taking in the evening wow (laughs) (laughs) that's why most people uh Go to see Arnold movies. Right? <laughs> no, and it's 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 yeah. fascinating because Kim yeah. is 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 trying to to get at something here. You know, it's just um, you can sort of see um, it, it's implied in the character's background and the sheriff's background that he was once this like hot shop, hot shot LA cop. Um, you know, kind of like you know, oddly enough, you know, kind of peak Schwarzenegger in the eighties, but now he's, you know, in, in, in recline. And uh, one of his deputies comes to him. It's like, yeah, I want to be a hotshot cop too. And Arnold's like, well, that's, that sounds like a lot of fun, but you know what, when you get to be my age, you just want to sit back and put your feet up and just be a sheriff in a small town. And of course uh, he has to uh, find the, the hard ass again in order to stop this drug dealer. And I mean, it, it's, it's yeah. cheesy in a lot of ways, um sounds fun it's it's a lot of fun yeah like the end where um the drug dealer is essentially trying to the drug dealer knows he's beat he's trying to buy off arnold and there's like this cheesy one-liner where arnold says like my honor is not for sale and it's like (laughs) it's like yeah that's that's cheesy but it's also awesome because um he's he's essentially kicked this this guy who's outrun the fbi and the highway patrol and he gets to the he gets to the small town where essentially the you know the hardest part of the mission is supposed to be over, but he he hits Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, 
He just can't do it. He can't get across that bridge. But it's a lot of fun. And uh, it's great that um, it acknowledges an older Arnold while at the same time showing that uh, he, he cannot be beat. He is still kick butt. He can still kick butt. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Last Stand. It's a lot of it's it's a it's a fun little action movie that got overlooked when it came out. But um, I, I will talk it up at any opportunity. I'd like to see that. It sounds good. Yeah, I like having him, you know, yeah, he's sort of in his later years in the rocking chair and then he has to get up and kick <laughs> butt again. Right? And sort it's a great of- supporting cast, too. You got Forrest Whitaker, uh, Jamie Alexander. Uh, you get Luis Guzman as one of the deputies. Uh, he's always fun. So nice. it's a good time. Anyway, uh, your number two, Tim. Uh, my number two is Persepolis. Mm-hmm. Um it's an animated film from 20, uh, 2007, Marjane Satrapi's autobiographical graphic novel um, is where it's based on, and she adapted it, and she co-directed the film. Uh, and so in this case, the escape is from the oppressive regime in Iran uh, during this time. Um, it's coming of age story of a young girl, Margie, during the Iranian revolution. And it's uh it's interesting because it begins with her family um is quite vocal in their opposition to the current government um in like probably like 78 79 in iran and they're they protest uh openly about it and she has an uncle who had spent nine years in prison because of his opposition to that government and he has been on the run from the government for many years uh, but then uh, revolution happens and then the Islamic fundamentalists uh, take control, as we know, uh, in 1979, 19, yeah, around 1979 there. And, and then there's a lot of changes that happen. And being a young girl who's had, had sort of her freedom, uh, sort of freedom of expression now, she's forced into this oppressive um, oppressive living under the Islamic fundamentalists mm-hmm. and they actually go further than the original government. They execute her uncle who they had just imprisoned under the previous government and Margie and her family really trying to adapt to life under this new re- regime. Um, but even with that Margie can't help herself if she's growing up, she rebels. She's into like heavy metal music, punk rock. She's, wearing the newest fashions um she debates her teacher talks back to her teacher Mm -hmm. and then you know fearing arrest the um margie's parents sent her to uh to a convent with catholic nuns in vienna (laughs) austria and so then once again it, it just shows the theme of escape or being you know you know being trapped in a situation that you know, she goes from one situation to the other, the oppressive government to, you know, Catholic nuns, right? Um, so then uh, it follows her and then it just shows, like like I said before, with um, w- with Room and a lot of these escape movies, you know, the goal is to escape your current circumstances, but then how do you adapt to those new circumstances? And she struggles to adapt being in the, you know, quote unquote, free world. Mm-hmm. she's even homeless for a while and 
So she actually asks to return to Iran, thinking things might be better after after the war.、Mm-hmm. Um, so she comes back, and then, but then、um, you know there's circ- there's problems there. So she has to, she ends up leaving again, and it just shows. And her mother says, "Don't come back again," and she's finally you know. Living free at that point, but in in a lot of these films, it's like you know what is freedom at that point? You know, she had struggles with her personal relationships, her romantic relationships, still has all these struggles.、Um, so it's it's interesting in that it depicts it depicts you know these problems that we none of us want to face when it comes to. You know, oppression from from a government, but then there's once you escape that, you know, how do you adapt to your new circumstances, and what are the new challenges? I think it does a great job just depicting all that, warts and all. What you know, what what the problems can be once you you find quote unquote freedom,、mm-hmm. and it's it's interesting. It's you know, interesting animation.、Uh, A movie that really struck a chord with me when I saw it. Haven't seen it in a while, so I was thinking once we came up with this list, I'm like, I'd like to see it again. You know, <laughs> it's、uh, 15 years old now, but I definitely recommend it. It was a very unique movie that really left an impression on me when I saw it.、Mm-hmm. It's interesting that you get a lot of these、um, stories about, like these real life stories about. Growing up in the Middle East amongst times of tumult, you get Persepolis, you get Waltz with Bashir, and now you have Flea. It's funny how this, you know, animation、um, feels like the most honest form of storytelling for for some of these stories,、um, or at least for the the the, the people telling them.、Um, there, there's a certain、uh, freedom that animation affords that they couldn't do it, it with something more direct, something more live action. Um, my second choice is very, very close to Persepolis.、Um, it is called Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously another action movie,、uh, but it is it is interesting、um, in the annals of escape movies and action movies,、um, where it is kind of essentially one long escape sequence. Um, and, and also multiple levels of escape at the same time because you have Mad Max, who's this. Uh, loner,、uh, he has no interest in in saving anyone but himself,、uh, which is of course part of the the appeal of the character is that he always gets dragged into、uh, the drama around others and、uh, is is forced into taking heroic le- heroic acts of leadership.、Um, but at the same time,、uh, this movie is also very much about the women. Uh, this character Furiosa, played by Charlize Theron, who is、uh, undertaking this desperate act to rescue、uh, not only herself but、uh, the women of of this warlord Morton Joe, who he has essentially kept prisoner and is using them as as、um, breeding stock to、um, have children,、uh, hopefully non mutated children, because this is a, a post apocalyptic future. And、uh, yeah, so the the film is 
a nonstop escape sequence. It's these women trying to escape a Morton Joe. It's Mad Max trying to escape. It's Mad Max reluctantly helping them. But it is also a a bizarrely feminist story uh, disguised as this high octane uh, fuel injected thrill ride with uh, just a ton of really great practical effects. A lot of how did they do that? moments uh people swinging on poles the the guy playing the guitar flamethrowing guitar in front of a wall of speakers and it's it's you know it's just the craziest thing you could ever see and it's um it stands out in the pack of post-apocalyptic movies because it's so colorful as well i know, although i know they created a black and white version you can watch on the blu-ray but oh. um it is one of the most colorful uh post-apocalyptic movies you've ever seen which tend to look um so drab and gray in most cases yeah. but uh it, it, this is it's an incredibly beautiful to look at film as well as a very exciting and visceral film as well and just you know it's it starts with Mad Max running it it essentially ends with him uh running still that even though the uh spoiler alert Morton Joe is defeated and uh Furiosa is able to take over his his fiefdom it it does end with um Mad Max quietly walking away, uh, escaping, as it were, to an uncertain fate in the desert because he doesn't feel like he belongs. So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I've I've seen that. I've only seen it once, and it really mm-hmm. really cast a spell on me. And I really liked, yeah, the colorful nature of it because that's what I find. Like a lot of the movies are, you know, apop- apocalyptic, trying to be dark and okay if it's apocalyptic you gotta mm-hmm. like have all these muted tones and everything it's like no why not get wild with it um with, yeah and with- like the crazy characters and it's uh the 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 war boys uh <laughs> you know these these skinny kids who like a morton joe is basically like bilked into thinking like he's a, a god of some kind and so you, the whole the whole ritual of them sp- spray painting their their mouths uh, the silver tone before they sacrifice themselves. It's, it's so over the top, um, but it's, 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 it's also a lot of fun. It's, it's a, like a delirious amount of fun just to sit there and watch this unfold. It is. And yeah. And you're like, you're saying it's a feminist tale. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. It would have been nice if they actually changed the title, but it probably wouldn't <laughs> have been good for marketing purposes. Cause like you're saying, like Mad Max, like he, he's definitely integral to it, but he doesn't seem like he's like leading the way. Right. It's, mm-hmm. or it's, mm-hmm. you know, the, the car- caravan of, uh, of women basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to our last two escape movie picks here. Okay. My yes. number one mm-hmm. is the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. so probably not a big surprise and <laughs> i've seen this movie countless times so it's it's you know really fresh fresh in my mind um uh and unlike the first two on my list it, it wasn't inspired by real event events but however it it was based on a, on written work this mm-hmm. time stephen king's novella rita hayworth and shawshank redemption mm-hmm. and it's a a gripping story really about friendship and, you know, and like, you know, long-term sort of confinement and how you, 
you deal and adapt to that. And it's about banker Andy Dufresne, played by Tim Robbins, who is sentenced to life in the Shawshank State Penitentiary for the murder, uh, supposed murder of his wife and her lover. Um, and then it, it's great how he finds friendship with Red, the uh, Morgan Freeman character who also does the voiceover and this might've been have to check, but the start of his voiceover work really too. Um, <laughs> Cause after this, he was doing, you know, March of the Penguins, all these, all these documentaries he became known for. And it's, mm-hmm. it's almost just stereotypical now, you know, Morgan Freeman, voice of God voiceover. Yeah. Um, yeah but th- this movie, I think perfects it. Uh, the friendship between the two, um, how Red sort of mentors Andy, yet Andy is has ingenious schemes of his own, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and it was written and directed by Frank Darabont, who um, was a screenwriter on A Nightmare on Elm Street three before this, mm-hmm. and then he went on to direct The Green Mile, and it's it's a movie that you have you have to see, I think a lot of people have seen it. Um, but when it originally came out, it was a bit of a box office flop. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like, like so many people I saw it, it was shown on TV so much um, just over the years. Still. I, yeah. Still shown. I've, I've rented it before. Um, it, it's, it's just a, a movie that, that really captures you. And the fact that you can see it, like, I don't know, I've probably seen it a dozen times and it's still, I still have an emotional response to it is, is, you know, quite amazing. And the escape quite, quite ingenious with the uh, rock hammer and the posters of Rita Hayworth and then Raquel mm-hmm. Welch mm-hmm. and, and showing that, you know, having the character of Andy, you know, devise this quietly over 19 years uh, is, it, it's just an amazing story. And it really, shows uh, you know sort of good in a way conquering over evil but maybe the characters you know a lot of these prisoners had committed crimes so they're not like they're not the most you know pure human beings but the fact that it shows them faults and all and just Mm -hmm. the humanity of it Mm -hmm. and the inhumanity of the oppression Mm -hmm. which is led by the you know led by the uh warden norton mm-hmm. and he's just such an evil character and in some movies like this i'd say okay this is just almost too stereotypical or too black <laughs> and white but in this one it works i think it really does work the fact that this th- this character is just so evil but you can understand why he is and how it's helping him helping him you know mm-hmm. helping him in his life so he doesn't care he's just such a narcissist and you know so heartless mm. that he doesn't care mm-hmm. and, and wields this power over andy and you know forces him to continue to launder money for him when he doesn't want to anymore and forces him to do do his bidding um i think that i think i think that's you know it's an excellent film mm-hmm. and it's it, you know, you can watch it a million times, at least I can, and and still still really appreciate it. Even though, yeah, I think, you know, the characters, they are, you know, 
archetypes a little bit here, you know, the standard, the, the evil war, warden, and there've been many prison escape movies with the evil warden. And, and how do you, how do you get free from that? But I think this the one warden's always evil. Yeah. <laughs> I think this one is definitely one of the best and, and anybody out there who hasn't seen it, go ahead and watch. But if, if you have, yeah, watch it again. It, it I, to me, it never gets old. It's just a, a classic yeah. escape movie. Definitely. Um, for my last pick, I went with Escape from L.A., which is okay. the sequel to Escape from New York. John Carpenter thinks Escape from L.A. is probably better than Escape from New York. I'm not prepared to go that far, but I think Escape from L.A. is very uh, good in its own right. Um, part of a subgenre I like to call L.A. is going to hell any minute, from the uh, which was pretty heavy in the 90s. Um, late 80s or uh, late 80s to late 90s that was a pretty prevalent subgenre if you think about demolition man or predator 2 uh at any minute la was going to be swallowed up by uh calamity in the form of a natural disaster or gang warfare was going to uh pummel it into uh into non-existence um but an escape from la which i think it's taken on new relevance because it's um I mean, it's the the satire is not as sharp as The Handmaid's Tale, but it is uh, pretty well um, part of a, a similar theme where you have this theocratic ultra right United States, which is sending undesirables to the island of L.A., which has been separated from the mainland by an earthquake. And they send Snake Plissken in because the president's daughter is uh, an anarchist who has stolen this the vice called the sword of Damocles, which can shut down all electronics. Uh, and the, the, the evil U S president is planning on using it against America's enemies. And uh, of course, snake Plissken is uh, famous John Carpenter, antihero reluctant to go, but will uh, take the job if it means uh, saving his own life. And of course, if you, no escape from New York. You know, it's not necessarily a straightforward mission. And uh, there are a lot of characters in the L.A. Island prison, including a surfer played by Peter Fonda. And uh, Steve Buscemi plays this character who's uh, Star Map Eddie, I believe his name is, where he sells maps to the stars or where the stars used to be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, pretty sharp uh satire although not as uh, as i said not as sharp as maybe it could have been but because this is john carpenter which means it's you know wrapped up in this level of uh of camp and um and uh sort of 70s exploitation that that you know that that aesthetic he helped develop although this is like very much a, a 90s movie it's it's got a budget to it and uh you can see that on screen but i mean kurt russell is uh so greatest snake plissken he's uh wears that leather coat and eye patch so well and it's a lot of fun and then the ending um is is it's a beautiful ending i just have to say that too <laughs> with, with uh snake plissken walking away saying welcome to the human race after uh certain things happen so uh escape from la is a good escape and um also a good escape is flea which we will review after the break. You are listening to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. It's 
Hvis du ligesom lukker øjnene nu, ja. og prøver at trække vejret sådan dybt ind. Hvad betyder ordet hjem for dig? Hjem er noget, som er trygt. Kabul, les attaques des Mujahideen, repris. Har du nogensinde fortalt din livshistorie før? And that was a clip from Flea. It is the new film from Jonas Pohar Rasmussen. Rasmussen? Oh, I think that's about right. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> He's from Denmark. And it features the true life story of a man called Amim uh, Nawabi. And uh, that is not his real name. Um, but uh, this, the, the details have been changed uh, to protect his family. Uh, who live all over Europe. It is uh, the true life story of how a man and his family had to escape Afghanistan, uh, just as the uh, Mujahideen, excuse me, were coming to power after the Soviet withdrawal from Afghanistan. Uh, the Mujahideen, of course, were the Taliban and uh, associate uh, Muslim extremist fighters who would later also form Al Qaeda and. We know how that story ended, um, but for Amin, uh, it was sort of just the beginning of his journey and uh, a journey that was captured in this film that was nominated for three Oscars. Um, strangely, the first time this combination uh, has ever uh, sort of been, been uh, sort of come into reality. So it was nominated for the Best International Feature Oscar the best animated feature Oscar and the best documentary feature Oscar. So I, I, I wonder if that is a feat that will ever be repeated. Um. <laughs> yeah. It's very unique. Yeah. It's what kind of caught my eye with this film. The fact that mm -hmm. how could one film be nominated for all those, all those Oscars. And uh, you can see why once you see it, you can understand. Mm -hmm. um, Well, Tim, uh, you, as you kind of implied there, you kind of drew this out of the hat. So why don't you uh, talk about your feelings about Flea? Yeah, thanks, Adam. So, yeah, like you were saying, I had heard about this movie and then, I, and then it was nominated um, for those Oscars. And I was like, wow, that's, that's very interesting. Documentary animated and international. <laughs> uh, so I saw, yeah, it's available on Amazon Prime. So 
watched it and it it's a very a very moving piece it really it really uh really caught my attention for sure watching it it made me think like when you watch it just the struggles of refugees um it does a great job of depicting that and even the struggle in that um like you said amin nawabi that's not the gentleman's real name it's his true story but he's the he's he de- he's scared to use his real name because of rep- reprisals that could happen mm-hmm. and uh how how he escaped from afghanistan during really trying times and it's interesting that he connected with this uh, danish filmmaker who also is included in in the documentary and they formed a friendship mm-hmm. um and it's also interesting in that he not only had to escape the violence and the oppression of what was happening in Afghanistan, but also he is openly gay as well. And how his relationship with his partner um, evolved through and and is, is pretty much his relationship with his own sexuality evolves throughout this as well. So it's uh it's interesting from that standpoint, there's so many layers to it. And also we spoke about escape films earlier and in this one, and you see this in other escape movies, how many times he and, or his family tried to escape and were sort of thwarted in their attempts. Yeah. And it really shines a light on human trafficking too. And just, you know, for-profit traffickers who are are taking advantage of people, but these people are so desperate to get out of their circumstances that they'll go to any lengths, you know, whether it's in a shipping container on a a boat or, you know, what, what, whatever that, you know, desperate move is Mm -hmm. they're willing to take it Mm -hmm. um, because it's better than imprisonment or execution on their homeland. So it's, it's an interesting piece. And I think it does a great job showing, you know, a real life person and what they went through. And I think it like opens your eyes because, you know, in Canada, we accept so many refugees mm-hmm. into our country and it's makes me think, you know, it be interesting to learn more about their stories. Right. It's like, like we have refugees here and then they're, you know, assimilating into our culture, um, bringing so much to our culture um, from, from, from their homeland, but Mm. just makes me almost as a person just want to be more, more curious and inquisitive um, because I'm in the alias of the gentleman who's telling his story, the, the director Jonas says, are you comfortable doing this? And he said, yeah, I am comfortable doing this. So, Mm. you know, it's something, something, you know, Jonas maybe was a little hesitant to ask at first, probably during the whole production pre-production. It was like, are you sure you want to do this? And, Mm -hmm. and he was, he did want to tell his story. And there are moments, you know, where, you know, words, words fail during the, just given the circumstances, but, makes me just, you know, as a person, as a Canadian, just want to, 
you know, you know, be more inquisitive and be more curious when it comes to people and what situations they came through to get here. Um, Cause it's pretty, it's pretty wild what he had to go through and, yeah. and, and to get to, you know, to get to Denmark, which wasn't really where he wanted to go. He wanted to go to Sweden because that's where his brother was. Yeah. And um, his sisters. Yeah. His brother and his sisters were in uh, Sweden, but he has to reroute and adapt uh, to a new, new situation. Uh, but it, it, it's definitely an interesting story because it shows him growing up. Um, nine, there's like three segments, nine to 11, 13 to 15, 15 to 18. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's tough enough growing up in, a, you know, quote unquote free society, um, but him coming to terms with his, you know, sexuality and, and having to do all that. Plus, you know, on top of all that, you know, just trying to survive and, and, you know, having his family be safe and survive. It's quite yeah. harrowing. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a scene where they, um, him and his brother leave their apartment to check out this, the hubbub around the first McDonald's opening in Moscow, which has, has attracted a lot of people because here's this big American brand uh, setting up shop in uh, downtown Russian capital. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, like, like so many others are just there to see like what, like look at all the, you know, all the excitement about buying a Big Mac and like, well, who do the police pick out in the crowd? The two brown dudes. <laughs> Yeah. And and uh, I mean, that's like a, a harrowing scene where it's just like, you know, just the act of leaving your house. I mean, we, we com- we've all complained about having to uh, voluntarily sequester ourselves at home because of the pandemic. Well, like, you know, imagine if, um, you know, leaving your house meant that some corrupt policeman could, you know, either shake you down for all the pennies you have on you or throw you in the back of a... a a, a paddy wagon so you can be sent to the airport and sent back to the place that you know uh run by people who kidnapped your father and <laughs> never told you what yeah. happened to him so yeah it, it's just it's you know it really speaks to the difficulty of the the refugee experience you know the the desperation the lengths that they go to you know i don't know how you could listen to these stories and go Oh, lucky refugees just going into any country they feel like. It's like, well, you know, uh, how'd you like to feel about, you know, being in the hull of a little tugboat crossing the Baltic Sea and all of a sudden <laughs> the water starts filling yeah. up? And the- yeah. And that's a really harrowing scene. It's, you yeah. know, the water's filling up and mo- most, if not all of them, don't know how to swim. And Amin's like thinking about who he's going to save, but he doesn't even know yeah. if he can swim or not. It's, yeah. That Pretty, was fascinating, like yeah. sort of psychology that is like, uh, who do I save? My mom, who's a f- terrified of the water, or my brother. It's like, well, did you know how to swim? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, shouldn't you be worried about swimming before? You-? Yeah, it's 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 terrifying. And then there was no radio on board as well, because it's it's a you know, it's a human trafficking smuggling boat. And so, of course, they don't have a radio on board. Uh, yeah, it, it's just it, it really makes you think about the refugee experience from the point of view of the refugee and the <laughs> filmmaking too yeah. i thought yeah. was really interesting is like the reenactments like we're talking about in the shipping container with the water coming in and mm-hmm. um 
the re how they would have these reenactments and this is where like the documentary it's very interesting it's animated reenactments and then they'd have live footage news footage mm -hmm. of what happened and how it was on the news oh they discovered you know dozens of refugees in this shipping compartment or a few times that happens throughout the film where you can see this is actually you know this yeah. is actually what happened you see from the news footage yeah you know here's the situation here's the first-hand account of what happened and here's sort of the third party account from from the news agencies and it, it it's interesting because it shows you just the reality of it so you're not just watching a movie this 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 really happened mm -hmm. yeah. yeah for sure and the the film uses the animation in interesting ways too um like a lot of the traumatic scenes or i, I guess the scenes encoded as traumatic uh are, are kind of like these more abstract where you, you can sort of make out the human figures but they're faceless um you know you maybe you see a police figure but you can make it out as police because it's wearing like a police style hat or something but it is it's kind of like ghostly faces that really sells that this is what you're seeing here is a bad memory <laughs> yeah and um yeah it it you know that's kind of the the gift granted you could you know recreate these scenes and you know using lighting and costuming and things like that you can make that point but there, there is something like really kind of uh primordial about you know the, the use of animation in, in that way to, to sell like a, a psychological uh an emotional feeling as well um the other thing i really liked is um like there's a, there's good use of music it's not terribly frequent in the film but i love the <laughs> i love the opening like one of the opening scenes where it's uh showing i'm in as a as a kid in afghanistan he's talking about how he was he was able to run around wearing his sister's dress and nobody like said anything about it like which yeah it which implies a certain amount of like freedom like kabul was like the, uh, like this modern city um before the Taliban took over where, you know, a kid could run around in his sister's dress and, you know, it might've gotten into some looks, but otherwise it's like, Oh, here's this silly kid running around. And the, and the music it's set to is um, the aha song take on me. Yeah. yeah. Which is, if, if people have seen the video is also like animated. I don't know if they did rotoscoping for uh flea, but it kind of has that feeling. Um, just like the the aha and i don't know if it was intentional like i mean like you know ran around listening to aha in 1984 kabul but uh it, it definitely draws that connection to that song which is also about um someone getting pulled into like an animated world and and finding sort of like free uh, expression there so you know it's it's a very um it's a very pop culture sly scene um, I don't, I'm not sure if, if um, Rasmussen was thinking consciously about that or, but, but I, I did find that connection interesting. Yeah. And that was early on and it really gives a lot of energy and, you mm -hmm. know, hope and life to the film too. Right. So we're talking a lot about the darker aspects, but there's definitely a lot of mm -hmm. fun aspects to it as well. And makes me think back to Persepolis the movie we talked about earlier is in my list and mm -hmm. um 
how Margie in that is is trying to you, you know she's still she's still a young girl growing up so she she likes punk rock and heavy metal and she she's loving like <laughs> she has new cultural influences and that's what Amin has in this as well and in both cases you know you know, mm-hmm. those op- oppressive governments take over and they're and it's the funds over you know mm-hmm. you can't can't enjoy your childhood or you know have this freedom or freedom of expression and, and of course he, he he recaptures some of that later um oddly enough while he's uh on his essentially being trafficked um to to denmark um where he's he's being uh shipped so to speak with with another yeah. boy who and they're listening to a song as they're traveling they're listening to um rock set uh so it's like early 90s yeah. you know it's we're a little further ahead now and he's talking about how he feels such a great connection to this other boy whose name he can't remember even though this boy has like a big influence on him but it's like the first time he kind of like feels comfortable with another person outside of his immediate family and they're listening to the song uh by rock said joy joyride yeah which right which is kind of interesting <laughs> yeah. yeah it has these kind of condemnations and of course rock said is uh a swedish band and of course he's not heading towards sweden i can't remember if that point he doesn't realize he's not heading towards sweden he doesn't realize so that makes sense that he'd be listening yeah to so band. they're listening to this swedish band it's like come on join the joyride and we're <laughs> in the back of a truck heading across yeah. the continent it's it's it, it has it's it, it has this these bizarre moments of of joy and i i, I don't think we've touched on yet that uh, amin is uh is gay and uh, obviously struggled with his sexuality living in like first in Russia, which we know is uh, still to this day, highly oppressive to people who are LGBTQ plus um, Taliban, obviously as well. And how hard it is. I mean, it's hard on numerous levels because he can't like be himself because he's been told he has to pretend that his family was killed. So he can't be honest about that. Um, he's been, you know, er, un- until later in his life, he's sort of been indoctrinated to refuse his sexuality. And there's this like really terrible scene, not terrible, like as in it's a bad scene, but, you know, in terms of like the feelings involved, where he's talking to a social worker right after he arrives in Denmark and he's like, yeah, is there like a pill I can get? Cause I like boys. Mm-hmm. And, and the social worker's like, uh no that's no that's not that's not how we think here (laughs) and it just you know there it's a reminder that the trauma there's not just one kind of trauma here there's like multiple levels of trauma that this poor man has to overcome uh just you know years of of having to live as as quietly and as meekly as possible and like a life of like essentially trying to go unnoticed and, yeah, and there's there's the family expectations too, right? Yeah. So yeah. the brother keeps asking, "Do you do you have a girlfriend? Do you have a girlfriend?" So he's very hesitant. And then he <laughs> are finally, the girls not hot in Denmark? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what's wrong with you? And yeah. then he finally, so Amin finally says, "I'm I don't like girls that way." And then, right. and then there's sort of like surprised looks on the faces, but then, <laughs> but then the brother's like you think what's the brother going to do? And yeah. then the brother's like, you come with me. 
Yeah. And he takes them, gives them all his <laughs> cash and sends them into a, a gay bar. Right. And he says, have fun, you know, enjoy, yeah. which, you know, was, was a nice touch. The fact that it wasn't, you know, there are good people in the world and in your family and stuff. And there's, there can be that understanding. So acceptance was, is the hardest thing. And, and sometimes that extends to accept being accepting of oneself as well. Um, and, and you know, the, he, he, I mean, talks a lot about like expectation, like he was lucky to escape. And then like, that's kind of encoded over the entire journal journey is just like luck. You were lucky that you didn't, uh, end up, I mean, being an anonymous refugee, um, you know, any number of things could have happened to you and how he feels driven by like a sense of responsibility. Like I was lucky. That makes me uh, responsible for making something of myself. Like, and I can't, you know, indulge just, you know, being loved by, um, by this man who wants to build a life with me, you know, move into the countryside into a nice house that overlooks a beautiful uh, riverscape. And uh, like, I, I don't deserve that. And uh it's about like that inner struggle too. Like, how do you accept oneself and say you are worthy of, of being happy? It's, it's yeah. sad, but poignant. Yeah. And yeah, it's so much like what echo, what you said, there's both identity. And mm-hmm. when he does get to like the immigration checkpoint with his fake passport, with his, you know, his fake name and his fake nationality, instead of using that he doesn't and says i'm a refugee Mm -hmm. so he still still wants to recognize where he came from and Mm -hmm. who he is Mm -hmm. and very very interesting in this film because i know in persepolis it's similar she's like near the end she's like i'm from iran that's where i'm from and Mm -hmm. so he's still this is still part of his story and the fact that this movie is made is that he's he's there sharing his story Mm -hmm. as a even though there is an alias in the movie, I guess, but like sharing a story about being from Afghanistan and, and, and this is what happened. So like, I'm still from there, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. don't erase the past, recognize it. Well, I mean, the, the other, the other thing about him being, uh, using a, an alias in this is that, you know, he, I mean, could be a stand in for any number of refugees from not just Afghanistan, but you know, Ukraine, uh, Yemen, Nigeria, anywhere where, you know, sort of people are suffering. And, you know, I think the UN Refugee Agency, there's uh, something like 24 million people who are refugees around the world. So, um, like, the anonymity isn't, I mean, yes, it it is sort of protecting Amin and, and his family, but the anonymity is also... Uh, an invitation for for all refugees to be able to, to attach themselves to this story because I can imagine whatever circumstances are this is probably not a unique refugee story no unfortunately not and unfortunately probably years from now it'll still be a relevant mm-hmm. story right mm-hmm. yep well downer note there to end the show but <laughs> no but he he finds he finds true love <laughs> he and, finds yeah uh, yeah yeah very he, true. he he yeah he accepts accepts himself and he accepts his partner and it ends on a really positive note that it does and so we will take that positive note and yeah. wrap up our show 
We hope you liked it. If you want to listen to it again, you can find it on our website at mcreditsradioshow.com. You can download it from the Guelph Politicast channel every Friday at Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, too, you can find much of the music that you hear on the show. Just open up Spotify and search for end credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Tim, where can people find you on the internet? On the internet, you can find me flashing the deadpan on social media. And uh, please let me know if you have any feedback or comments on anything I said on the show. Appreciate (laughs) it. And I'll be back here on CFRU tomorrow at 5 p.m. for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can check out my News and Politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We will be back next Wednesday at 3 p.m. For more end credits, and we will see you then.